Hi guys, welcome to Mind Over Matter, brought to you by Race the Minds. Within this podcast, we discuss ways various people overcome mental barriers and negative mindset to achieve their goals using the power of sport and exercise. In today's episode, we meet Dr. Sarah Bailey, who is a GP trainee, sports medic and fitness instructor based in the West Midlands. Her passion is all things lifestyle, specifically exercise, and she feels passionately about discussing the importance of work-life balance and burnout management amongst fellow medical professionals. Furthermore, she has recently been supporting the charity Mind through running events and fundraising. You can find her over at the Gym Medic on Instagram, where her blogs, vlogs, combine medical information, exercise, and her real life as a sports medic and fitness fanatic. She talks with us about how she uses sport and exercise to overcome mental barriers, negative mindset, and how it keeps her grounded whilst also balancing the physical and mental demands of being a junior physician. Sarah will start to feature as a regular guest on Mind Over Matter as our resident doctor. So let's get into it and hear from the lady herself. I hope you all enjoy episode two of Mind Over Matter. Welcome Dr. Sarah Bailey, aka the gym medic to Mind Over Matter. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure. So I just wanted to introduce you to the listeners. Whoever has seen the Q&A that we've done on the Instagram and on the website, they will already know a little bit about you. However, people that haven't seen that as of yet, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, who you are and what you what you currently do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm a doctor based in the West Midlands. For the NHS, I'm a GP trainee. So that's general practice, the doctor that you'd say every day you may go to for minor ailments um, and also some more major ones as well. And I am also, I work in sport for a rugby team, which I absolutely love. So I work in sports medicine alongside the NHS. I'm also a massive advocate. I talk about it all over my Instagram about burnout and mental health amongst clinicians. And by that, I mean kind of doctors, nurses, people working in healthcare. And finally, I love sport. That's why they, I say they call me, no one calls me. I call myself the gym medic on Instagram. Um, and that is basically, I'm a PT and I share, that's personal trainer, and I share health, fitness, lifestyle advice on there and kind of talk about what my life is like from an everyday, everyday point of view. Yeah, that's great. So basically, in a nutshell, you're a doctor, personal trainer, and a sports addict literally yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it keeps you busy most of the time then and takes up a lot of your free time when you get it absolutely absolutely sport is my free time basically <laughs> but you love it well it's not a chore is it if, if you love something so exactly exactly now obviously you're a new member to the race of the mind team and we're going to start to get to know you a lot more over the coming episodes of mind of the matter and also on the race of the mind website so what was it that basically interested you in joining Race the Mind and the Mind Over Matter movement, as we want to call it. Yeah, so I thought it was a really, really interesting movement. I think a lot of what I do on an everyday basis is often talking with people with regards to mental health problems and managing those in the community. These may be people that have very severe diagnoses of mental health, but also actually just people that are struggling from a maybe an events happening into them in their life or for other reasons their mental health isn't as, as good as it could be so it's something I'm interested in as part of my job as a doctor but also I think it's something interesting me really as, as you mentioned how one how sport can be affected by the way that you are thinking and how your mind is working but also how sport can help your mind and your mental health and your mood as well so it's interesting 
sport can be really, really good for the mind, but also being in the wrong frame of mind can lead to underperformance in sport. And that's why loads of teams and things like that get psychologists and psychiatrists and, and other members involved to try and get their athletes up to the level that they need to be. But a lot of it is based on how mentally resilient they are. As you said, the, the mental side of sport and whether you're an elite athlete or not is 90% of the of the battle is basically getting your mind prepared and ready to go and take on, say, a, a 5K around the block, a walk around the block, a hit session, a marathon, a game of football, anything. It's getting your mind in that right place to be able to give you that drive to go out and challenge yourself and break through those mental barriers. Absolutely. And it's also the drive to want to go out day after day after day to do that, because actually that's the difference between someone casually doing something and someone being an expert. It's actually getting out on those days where they don't want to go out because there will be days for any of us, even just the casual weekday runner. Like there's some days where you just think, no, not today. And often those are actually the days that are Sometimes you, a run would do you good because you've got a lot of pent up energy, but also sometimes those may be the days that you do need to rest depending on what's going on in your life. But certainly for athletes, it's really getting out there, having mental resilience to do things when actually you're not really feeling like you want to do them is the difference between really being really successful and just being good at whatever you do, I think. It's not that we're saying that you have to go out and train every day. Everyone's allowed to have those bad days. 100%. And also rest days, are, I, I'm literally such a big advocate of rest days as well. Like I think rest is so important, whether it's mental rest, whether it's physical rest, like one to two rest days a week, if not a few more, if you need them, depending on what level your exercise is at, is so important. Your body needs to recover, your mind needs to recover. So definitely, yeah, don't go out every day. <laughs> So one of the things we obviously want to speak about is the benefits of sport and exercise actually on mental health and the mind. It can open up so many cans of worms on what is classed as mental health. However, we want to try and stay to the realms of how it affects people's moods once they've done sport and exercise and how it helps overcome mental barriers and negative mindset. From a medical point of view, what is the benefit of sport and exercise for your mind? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a little gland called the pituitary gland that's in your head and it produces and stores what's known as endorphins. And that's, I've seen loads of adverts recently describing it as like the happy hormone. But actually what it does is endorphins stabilize your mood so they can help to stabilize your mood, um, whether you're up or, or down. And, and certainly they can give you a boost of energy, make you feel really positive. And those are actually produced following exercise or during even exercise so often people can be even though they've done a really hard physical workout mentally can feel really like switched on i know when i used to run in the morning specifically i'd have to keep stopping because my brain would be like oh i could do this and i could do this i could do this i'd have to keep writing little notes down in my phone because it can make you really really productive so endorphins are one of the things that produce endocannabinoids as well uh, are produced and, and other hormones and, and kind of byproducts are produced during exercise which act on the mind they actually can some of them act on the opiate receptors that are in your body and opiates traditionally may be thought as illicit drugs but also exercise the the hormones that are produced during exercise act on those same receptors obviously with less of a less of a rush and give you a more sustainable period of stability in mood and positive happiness whatever it is for you but they act on those as well so that's 
that's I think quite interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially from non-medical people like myself who enjoy exercise, get the rush of exercise, but actually understanding how it affects your mind and your body is fascinating to a normal person like myself. The list goes on really with it as well. The benefits, I think you can split benefits up in many ways. And so you can think of the medical benefits like we've just spoken about, kind of the um, mood stability. And you can think of, okay, um, it can also reduce the risk of things like strokes, heart disease, diabetes, all these sort of things. The risk of those can be reduced if you exercise to the amount that is suggested by the NHS and all that advice is on their website, which is incredible that we can do something ourselves to kind of aid prevention in these long-term chronic diseases that can have huge impacts on people's lives. But also from a mental health side of things, I think exercise can kind of provide a lot of community, whether it's a gym, whether it's a running club, whether you're actually playing in a sports team, or whether you're just doing your own exercise and you connect with people on social media that are doing similar exercise to you. I think it can be a really nice community that can be quite supportive. I'm a keen runner, as as you know, and others may not know, but the hardest thing for me is to get up and get out. The, the feeling that I have from trying to get myself out the door to when I finish my run and when I get home is incredible how the different type of rush and the buzz that I have when I get home from completing my run. And one thing I was going to ask you is, does it matter what time of day that you exercise? Do you still get the same amount of endorphins released in your body if you ran, say, first thing in the morning to if you ran at the end of the day after a full day's work, for instance? As I'd have to double check that, and I will for the references in this post, um, in, in this podcast. But I, as far as I'm aware, yes. Yes, the endorphin release would be the same, graded to kind of in, exercise intensity. But also, you've got to look at the difference in how you feel. So you feel, oh, you're woken up in the morning, like, oh, and the endorphins that you get kind of stimulate you through your day. Some other people might find it doesn't work. Maybe they start early or, or actually having a bad day and then exercising or having a, maybe if they've got a stressful job, actually finishing the day positive is better for them. So I think it just depends on how you work. Cause I know, I don't know about you. I, I always sometimes work out in the morning, sometimes work out in the evening. And actually I don't think I've worked out yet. What's best for me. The other morning I did a spin class was really positive about going to spin class. And afterwards I was a bit like, Hmm, not feeling this today. Actually that hasn't given me the buzz that I wanted. And I think that probably comes down to actually, I'm not sure how much I enjoy spin and I much prefer going out for runs and things like that. So actually I think probably choosing the correct exercise for you and what you want to get out of it, because actually that's probably the session where I have got something from a fitness point out of it, but from a mental point of view, I don't feel like I got much out of it that we need to kind of work out what sports and exercises work for us and at what times of the day, because that probably will have more of an impact than maybe the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. Sometimes I'll run in the mornings early. Sometimes I'll run in the evenings. Sometimes I'll run at lunchtime. It depends on what my day allows me to, to do because obviously life still goes on around what you do for exercise. And yeah, sometimes I can go out for a run. I can do a 5, 10K run and absolutely crush it and be feeling on top of the world at the end of the run. Other days I'll go out and I'll come back and I'll be like, oh, that I haven't felt that good at all today but what everyone needs to understand is I, I think that 
you do have bad days as well as good days. So if you are tired, if you are not feeling too well, then the endorphins will still kick in. However, only to a certain extent to how the rest of your body gets stimulated by the endorphins that are getting released. Absolutely, because actually, if you think about exercise, it's a stressor on your body. So you are putting your body through exertion and stress. And if you're running away from a wild animal, your body will react really in the same way as if you're sprinting down the road, like you're getting adrenaline released, you're going to release some cortisol as well, depending on the level of activity. But also you're releasing these endorphins if you're kind of running in a positive, positive mood as well. But I think it's it's kind of important to remember that because actually at certain times I think certain exercises are important and if you're already really really stressed really really pent up and then you smash a, your pb on a 5k and you're feeling like whoa I've not stopped then actually for your mental health this is what I'm learning anyway and what works for me I don't think that that's that helpful and on those sort of days I found more kind of low intensity jogging or even walking or something like yoga that's actually what for me levels me out a bit more than being like go 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 let's do a hit workout let's do this and that because that's what i used to do and actually it just made me more anxious and and made me really more kind of pent up it's important to have self-awareness and i'm not saying that i am the self-awareness queen because i definitely am not and it takes such a long time and i think everyone's always learning about their own self-awareness but it's helpful to have self-awareness of what you need at that time. And maybe at the beginning of the week, have a think if you are into exercising, when am I going to exercise? But rather than necessarily saying, I'm going to do this amount of time, this amount of speed and this amount of work, then maybe think, actually, I can be quite flexible on that day. I find that could be quite helpful. Obviously, slightly different if you're training for, for kind of a marathon and you need to get the miles in. But even with that, you can possibly be flexible and flip around workouts during the week if your mind is not in the right place. But it's still important on those days to try and move if you can, whether it's a walk, getting fresh air, whatever it is, because fresh air does wonders. Now, we've touched upon various different types of exercises there like walking spinning hit classes 5ks 10ks marathons is there a specific set amount of time that someone should exercise for to be able to release those endorphins or to potentially spin their mind from a negative to a positive mindset yeah it's, it's, it's a difficult one to say because in short probably not a specific amount of time as such but again, choosing the right workouts and, and certainly you'd need to be getting your heart rate up, getting your blood pumping, getting moving to get that endorphin rush. Thing is, people even get endorphins from doing things they love. So you can get endorphins from sitting and watching Made in Chelsea if you love it. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to exercise to get endorphins. Lots of other things can give you endorphins, even blooming chocolate can give you endorphins, whatever you fancy, because it, it stimulates this kind of reward response kind of pathways in, in the brain. But certainly, if you're doing an exercise you love at a time that's convenient for you, so you're not rushing to the exercise and rushing away, and you've kind of got the time to process what you're doing and enjoy it, I think that's most important. The reason I ask about specific amount of time is because you see these various gym adverts and you see these different marketing campaigns and when they say just 20 minutes of exercise will change your day 
the only reason I asked was to find out whether that 20 minutes is an actual accurate number or if it was just a marketing spin to get people through the door into gyms or out on the streets to do a bit of exercise, which I have no problem with people going to, going to the gym and doing exercise. I just wondered whether that time was actually a medical proven time limit or not. So there are some research papers that suggest that it really takes 20 to 30 minutes of hard aerobic exercise to get an endorphin rush. So actually probably those things aren't unfounded, but then you have to kind of look at the research papers and really tear them apart and see, see who's funding them, see, um, like you mentioned, the gyms um, who are kind of promoting stuff, are they funding them? And also kind of think about who the population are involved. Are they just white males, 25 years old, a full history is they're very well in themselves usually because that's not actually representative of the full population. So it's difficult to see how that is transferable to those who maybe haven't exercised before because they may get up to a really high heart rate after exercising for five to six minutes. And that's quite a high intensity for them. So I think saying 20 to 30 minutes is probably a little bit arbitrary. But I mean, if you're feeling the effects at a certain level for you and you're exercising mainly for your mental health, then I mean, that's good enough, isn't it? I think just getting out and doing any type of exercise and doing any type of sport or anything like that, whether it be individual, whether it be ultra, whether it'll be team sports, I think any sport, any exercise does wonders for your mindset and for your mental health. So one of the topics I wanted to speak to you about today was injuries. And it's a topic that we will speak about a hundred times over yeah. and multiple, multiple hours worth of talk about injuries because Injuries, I find, are one of the biggest things, personally to me, that puts a barrier up in my mind whenever I get injured. I currently am nursing an injury. However, luckily, it's nothing serious, so it's only taken me out for a week or so. However, I'd like to know from your point of view, especially working at the rugby club, how elite athletes have been playing at the top of their level and suffered an injury and how the walls of negativity have suddenly gone up around them and how they've dealt with their injury. It's really tricky, isn't it? Because none of us expect to get injured. And that's the bottom line, whether it's in sport or out of sport. And I think it depends on, on whether you've experienced injuries before, how you kind of can come back for them in a lot of cases. It's unfortunately inevitable. We both love running, don't we? And actually running's got one of the highest injury rates not only from twisting your ankles, but the amount of load that you're putting through your legs and, and your muscles, it can actually lead to kind of stress fractures and things like that because of, we love it and we do it all the time. So it can be a high injury sport. And obviously rugby is what I work with. It's a contact sport. So there is the risk of injury there, though through training and medicals, et cetera, we try and reduce that as much as possible to make the game safe. But injuries can really affect people. Certainly, they can be really difficult to mentally come through because you've gone possibly from being at the top of your game, whatever that game is, whether you exercise once a week, whether you are exercising five times a week, whether you're a Paralympian and super successful, whatever you're doing, you've been improving, and then you get injured. Boom. That's a moment in time that it happens. In the first instance with injuries, I think it's important you get seen by the right people for that injury. So you're certainly working in sport and the teams of the level that I work in all have kind of sports therapists, physiotherapists, and obviously myself as a doctor, 
working with them. Um, and that can be really good to kind of get a process put in place to get them back to where they want to be. And that can be really helpful. So for the everyday person exercising, if they have got an injury, rather than just kind of trying to get through it, speak to those sort of people, see if your gym has a physio that does a free consultation, have a chat with your doctor, really speak to the people that need to know about the injury because actually muddling through and I'm talking from experience is not the way forward. I fractured my ankle about four years ago and for about two years I was just making excuses about having pain I couldn't go to my appointments and it was just rumbling on and on and on and it was really affecting my sport my mental health I wasn't able to exercise as much as I wanted to etc and so actually once getting that sorted and making a conscious decision I'm going to do my rehab I'm going to get sorted that was really good so I think it is about this process and if, if you don't know much about the process of rehabilitation which not all of us do then it's really important you get somebody that can help you with that process. Without a process, the end point is just a thought. And it's actually the process that gets you there rather than thinking, I'm going to have a working ankle in six months, but how are you going to have a working ankle in six months? You need that process, don't you? So I think it's important that you have the team or the support around you with that. Even if it's a doctor saying, actually, this might settle. This is probably maybe a bit of tendonitis, offload it take some uh, anti-inflammatories and some paracetamol and then slowly increase. That might be helpful as well. So it doesn't necessarily need to be 25 weeks of intervention with a specific medical professional. It can just be some advice. So I'd say that's really important. Back to the actual question, how can it affect your mental health? I think if you don't have the process, then your mental health can suffer because you're stopping what you love. In some cases, the injury might stop you exercising or doing the sport that you love. It can distance you from the community that you may be in, i.e. if it's a rugby club, if it's a gym. Um, and also it can be really difficult because you're used to doing what you're used to doing. You're used to exercising and your life may completely change because of that injury. So I think it's important to face it head on and think this is a significant thing. Let's take it seriously. You also get taken away the fact that you can't do the thing that you love, but also the fact you won't be doing the thing that releases those positive endorphins still. So you won't be getting that rush anymore. It's difficult, isn't it? When you're like, oh my gosh, because often that, that is the mood stabilizer that keeps a number of people in the world and many people in the world from their kind of low days becoming low days. So it is, it's a really difficult, difficult time if you do get injured, working out what You've got to turn those negatives into possibilities if you can. Obviously, under certain circumstances, you may not be able to exercise depending on the severity of the injury. But if there is ways of, of exercising and getting those endorphins in other ways, whether you have different hobbies that you could do, it's vital. One thing that we all do need to do, though, is make sure that we do take advice from the professionals and the, the people around us, especially if you are injured, because the one thing that you don't want to do is rush back too soon and potentially relapse on that injury. I'm someone that I don't like sitting around. I like to get out and get going. But if I'm told that I can't run for a couple of months, then I'll find that difficult. And having something that you love taken away from you automatically puts barriers in my mind. And I think that the worst thing that could happen, whether it means me taking a couple of months off running, going out too early and then having six months off running, it could be really, really, really crippling to your mind to then be wiped out for an enormous amount of time just because you didn't take the right advice and the right pathway at the start of the at the start of the injury. Absolutely. And we've all been there, haven't we? Got a niggle, keep going. Oh, I can do this. Even happened to be yesterday, I was in a class and my calf started niggling 
on the treadmill and I kept upping my speed and I was like, no, Sarah, slow down your speed. There's no point. What You're not proving anything to anybody if you get injured anyway. The only person you're really neglecting is yourself. So I turned down the speed and then for the final round, I did it, but I just did it at reduced intensity to make sure that I didn't ping my calf completely. And then in the evening, spent my evening actually kind of looking after it, foam rolling it, giving it a bit of attention. And then I was going to go to the gym today, but I thought, no, actually, I'm not going to today. I need to take a bit of time to let my calf feel better, stretch off and be ready to go again. And I think it's just maybe in a way, I take for granted the knowledge of kind of injuries and things like that because I can I can feel something coming on so I can kind of tend to it. But certainly that's why, like with this, I want to use it as a platform to say, ask for advice, really ask for advice because no one expects you to be able to manage a Achilles tendonitis when you don't really know. The internet is, as much as everyone always says to me on the phone, I'm so sorry, I've Googled it. Like we all do that, don't we? We all Google it and have a have a good look. And often with 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 injuries to muscles and tendons and ligaments, it's quite a typical history. So you can get a lot from the history without even examining a patient. So actually sometimes, obviously I would always advise going to a medical profession, but by reading up on all these sort of stuff, it would mean that in future, if you do get niggles like that, you can think, oh, actually this might be something I probably should seek advice. Yeah, and even when you're injured, don't let the injury take you away from your community that you're based around just because you're injured does not mean that you can't interact with the people that you do sports exercise with because again they're a huge string to your bow they are people that potentially will push you through tough times when you are training or when you're out running they're the people that sometimes make that specific sport or exercise enjoyable so if you do get injured, doesn't mean you suddenly have to take yourself away from that that group. And I'm sure from the rugby club that that you're involved with, I'm sure that you'll see people get injured. And rugby's such a community based sport. And how if someone gets injured, if they take themselves away from that community, then sometimes it could be non beneficial for them to be on their own. Definitely, because they're they're, play, they're players, the the players in the team their colleagues, they all want them to be back playing. So actually being around that environment, they can be checking on each other, being like, oh, are you doing rehab? Are you doing that? Oh, we've been a bit lax this week. Okay, fine. And, and one of the things, I think I mentioned this to you before as well, that I had a friend that didn't play golf. All his friends played golf. He didn't have any want or need to learn how to play golf. He just went along and was their golf caddy. And it's that's just awesome because that's the whole point. He's going to enjoy the day, probably realistically pint in hand but either way <laughs> um, enjoy the day spend time with his friends but he doesn't necessarily need to be playing the sport so I think that that can also be seen here like if you've, you've got an injury and you are in a sports club or gym like we said try and keep involved try and keep those friends there and they'll support you through it support systems with any sort of mental health whether it be anybody day-to-day thoughts of mental health because mental health for everybody can fluctuate day-to-day whether you've got a diagnosis or not those support systems are what is vital from a kind of low period becoming, like I said, a low period, and which was pathological. So it, it's really important that, that support systems are kept. And often in times of injury or in times of negativity, that's the first thing that goes, actually. The support systems, you can get more distance from support systems and it can become difficult to because you don't really want that support because you don't necessarily want to open up. 
because of the maybe dark and low feelings that you're having. But that's the thing that's super important to keep. And you asked why as well, getting involved in this. Like uh, one of the reasons I think I'm really super into talking about mental health is because I definitely got burnt out when I was on my job in A&E. Some people can get through A&E absolutely fine and really must be much more resilient than I am. Because over A&E, I I remember I went on a thing last year and at the beginning of the week, they were like, oh, uh, it was A&E. This was like a, a boot camp and a health wellness camp. They said, describe a word that describes you. And I said, resilient, because I have gone through a lot of different struggles through my life with family and different things. But actually, just saying you're resilient isn't, you can't just keep saying you're resilient to try and make your brain think that you're resilient. You actually need to work on it. And certainly over the last couple of years, that's something I've really been working on because I found A&E, I'm one of the most empathetic people and I'm back to being empathetic now. But A&E, just for some reason, as it does with many doctors, can really make you burn out, lose that empathy. I think it's due to patient turnover, how many patients you see, how many heart sync things you see that you just can't help. No matter how much you try, they'll still be coming back in next week with the same possibly self-inflicted problem. And it becomes, unfortunately, frustrating and sad, and you can lose empathy and become really burnt out because the shift patterns, et cetera. So that's one of the reasons I really talk about mental health and burnout on my platforms, because me, I've gone through a bit of burnout. Lots of my friends have been burnt out before, whether it be be through things outside of work or in work. So I think it's vital to talk about it. And I think specifically with sport, it's vital to talk about mental health in the context of injury, because it's when something that you love is taken away from you and, or it could be perceived in that way if you don't actively kind of fight against that because turning up with a positive mindset this is for those who do not have a diagnosis of mental health this is obviously for people that those who do not have a specific diagnosis in mental health just the everyday person but turning up in a positive frame of mind is a choice it really is and it can be very easy to frame these things in a negative way oh it's oh it's so hard oh it's going to be a lot Actually, by reframing that, saying things like, it's going to be a challenge, I'm up for the challenge, let's see what I can do. That's the way that you're going to get back from the injury faster. You're going to have longevity in whatever sport or exercise you want to do because you're more likely to keep up with the rehab. And I'm not saying it's easy. I've been the one that's there injured and struggling as well. So I'm not telling people this is how you should do it. It's so easy because it's not. It's just sometimes helpful to have somebody else like us on the outside being like, do you know what? If you think you can't do it, you absolutely can. So surround yourself by positive people that will kind of uh, reinforce that because that will just make your life much happier. And then you'll be able to get back to these endorphins that we all also love. And I think that's something that we want to make sure that everyone understands and highlights is that we're not telling people that this is the only way to tackle various issues. We're just advising and telling people from our own personal experiences on how we've overcome various different negative mindsets barriers mental health issues over the past so without going through various different things you can't give that personal experience and for instance for you with resilience and burnout you can talk about it and you can talk passionately about it because you've gone through that and it's the same with when you're talking about sport if you go out for me for instance if i go out running I know at a certain point I'm going to hit a wall and my mind is going to start telling me I, I can't go any further. You might as well stop. But with using the the tool that you just mentioned about turning that negative voice into a positive, 
you know that when the wall comes up and says you can't go any further you can go okay you're, you're telling me i can't go any further but i feel good enough in my body that i can let's just do the next mile let's see how the next mile goes and just take it baby steps absolutely and inevitably that next mile might be hard but or a challenge i should say let's reframe it and then the next two will be fine every runner i'm going to talk about running because it's my passion and i run a lot so i'm sorry if i keep going on about running so it's it's one of those things where i know that i could go out for a 5k run but end up running a 10k because i feel i before i go out i'm like I only feel like I can do 5k today. I'm not in the mood. Don't feel right. You start running and I'm like, hang on. I feel absolutely amazing. I'm going to go for 6k. I'm going to go for 7k. And as it goes on, suddenly I'm at 10k and away we go. It literally happened to me the other day. It was a little bit different. I went out running with my friends. He was doing a specific distance. I said, I'm not going to be able to do that distance because I just didn't feel like I was capable of doing it. Got to 13 miles and I was like, I feel great. Let's carry on. So I carried on with him. Got to 15 miles. It was like, I've still got, I've still got enough in the tank here. Ended up running 20 miles, which was the, his goal and felt absolutely amazing for the rest of the day. Not saying that everyone can go out and just do that it's some days i can go out and i can't even run 5k it's odd isn't it how the body just it can change day to day it can hydration mindset whether you've eaten like there's so many different things the weather so many different impacts that will impact how your days go but like you've just said there don't let those little negative thoughts come into your mind especially if you're in such a positive frame of mind and ride off the back of that. If you're having a day, if you've never run a kilometer before and you've run a kilometer and you think, gosh, I could keep going here, then do it. Who's stopping you? Everyone's different. Everyone knows their body in different ways. Not everyone knows what they're capable of. If you can push yourself and over time, set yourself a goal and build to that goal, then when you reach that goal, your mindset and your outlook will be completely different to what it is when you're laying in bed, waking up in the morning going, oh, I'll just go for a run tomorrow. I am one of those people where I will lay in bed, I'll wake up and go, I'll go tomorrow. I'll go tomorrow. And it's again, using your community around you to push you to get out and get going with whatever you're going to be doing. Walk, run, swim, cycle, gym, hit class, whatever. I wish, I don't know if anyone will get this reference, but you know, in Wallace and Gromit, where he wakes up and he shoots off the end of the bed and he suddenly is dressed down the tunnel <laughs> and he just comes out the other end eating his breakfast and walking out the door. I literally feel like I, ha I wish I had that. <laughs> I, I still need to install the, uh, the slide. Yeah. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Whether it's like a partner, whether it's friends for accountability, having that person that keeps you accountable, like, Oi, you know you can do this. Get on out there. I use my wife. My wife is the person that I tell to literally kick me out that door to get me going when I'm go when I need to go for a run. Because she knows and family know me well enough that once I've gone for my run, when I get back, I'll be in a completely different mindset for the rest of the day, whether it's the start of the day. And if I've had a bad day, kick me out that door. Let me go for however long around the block, come back, and I would have run off all of my demons of that day and I would have been ready to go to bed with a fresh outlook, ready to start the next day. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think it just exercises 
is the way that I know that I deal with stress and kind of anxiety and things like that. Certainly, it, I think, on, like I mentioned before, on A&E, because of the difficult patterns, I was really struggling to get myself up out of that door because I might have finished it at like midnight and I'm starting work again at like 12, but then you're shattered, you want to lie. And that's when the excuses start snowballing. And, and I certainly know that that was the time where I felt probably the most stressed and burnt out. And that's when I wasn't exercising. So I do look back and I think, obviously I can't change it, but I think, gosh, if I could just tell myself what I knew now then that, do you know what? It's going to feel like the worst thing ever for two minutes while you get out of bed. But once you're out that that door, then things change, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Don't let those negative excuses build up for too long because it will build a, a mental wall or barrier in your mind where you'll just struggle to be able to push through that. And the next thing you know, you're two weeks down the line of not doing any exercise or sport at all. And that rut that you're in will be harder and harder to get out every day. Absolutely. And I think we're all going to have negative thoughts at times. And by that process of being aware and reframing it, going from this is too hard to this is a challenge. It's not my favorite thing, but it will allow me to do X, Y, Z. Like by, by reframing those terms, it can actually allow you to accept, okay, yeah, I was a bit negative about this, but I can move forward actually with a positive uh, outlook. And I think actually that reframing process is the first few steps to flipping yourself from a negative person to a positive person. Because like I say, it is a decision you have to make every day. And certainly some days I do not make it. <laughs> and those days always seem harder. It's funny, the days where you go out and you're more positive and you flipping that those um, things to challenging and reframing things, everybody's instantly nicer to you. Not all the time, but quite a lot of the time. If you smile at someone on the street, someone will smile back. You get a coffee and you're, you're in a great mood, that, that kind of is reflected back. So if you can flip over to the positive view of things, then that's brilliant. What also I think I need to mention here is the majority of the stuff we've been talking about is obviously not medicalized mental health. It's like the everyday person who is exercising to just stay fit and healthy and, and improve their, their mental health and positivity. But if you are struggling and you don't find that you can see a way out, please, please, please do contact your GP. Or if it's kind of an emergency and you're in a crisis situation, kind of 111-999, because this isn't meant to be medical advice, but certainly there, there are lots of people, unfortunately, and going forward that may and well be in a similar circumstance to you. And there are ways and means set up to support you through those times. About one in, one in three, one in four people will experience a form of mental health struggle during their lives and so i think talking about it like in podcasts like this about people that maybe have gone through it or just ways and means of managing it is vital but if you do need that extra help please please ask it's good to talk at the end of the day definitely on that point i think we'll wrap it up for this episode of mind over matter now sarah will be joining us on other episodes of mind over matter in the next few months and we'll get to know her a lot better and be able to tap into her expertise of the medical world over those episodes. Now, if you have any questions or you want to ask any specific medical questions related with regards with what we have spoken about today, then please don't hesitate to just drop us a DM on Instagram, either to race the mind or to Sarah directly. Her Instagram handle is at the gym medic. And she's also got her website, which is www.thegymedic.com. 
and she does have other platforms that she uses such as YouTube, Facebook. Any others that I've missed off there, Sarah? I've got a Twitter page, but I don't use it much, but you can follow me there. Why not? It's at the underscore gym underscore medic. So it depends what platform you use, but I'll, I tend to ping lots of my Instagram stuff over there as well, just to pollute the web even further full of the gym medic if we do get enough questions coming through then potentially the next episode with uh, sarah will be a answering the questions that you have really a q a session so please do any questions that you do have and we'll be more than happy to get them ready for the next episode of mind over matter where sarah will be featuring so other than that thank you very much for your time today sarah and everyone please go and follow her thank you yeah the gym medic come and find me over on Instagram. But yeah, thanks for having me. And I think, like I've said before, super important to talk about this. So I'm very, very thrilled to have been asked and asked back. Can you believe it? Other than that, until next time, we will leave it there. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.